This is not reality. Not reality. Not reality. Welcome. Hey guys. Welcome back to another week uh, of the podcast of Mediocre Movie Majors. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? How's your week been? It's been pretty good. I've been, uh, you know, doing some work. Back on the grind set. So I've been feeling good. Using that movie degree. Using that movie making degree to make movies. Yeah. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Using all this actually talking about movies to actually inform how I make movies. Yay! So, stay tuned for more development on that. How's your week been? Pretty good. Pretty chill. Pretty fun. I was home for a little bit, and now I'm here. And we've got lots to talk about, actually. Well, yeah, because this is actually like two weeks. This is a big week for us. This is actually like two or three weeks. Because we're starting from the 6th, going to the 17th. Yeah, this is a big week for us. We've got lots to talk about. It's a big... 11 day long week (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so the first i just think we should just dive into it because i think we're gonna have a lot to say about pretty much all of these i know we have lots of anyways let's Let's dive dive right into it garfield the live action 2004 film starring bill murray is the first film this week as the titular garfield surprisingly yeah it wasn't it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be going from i only ever saw garfield 2 the second I uh, always was under the impression that we watched Garfield 1 or you saw it at some point. So then we watched Garfield 2 because I never saw Garfield 2 as a kid, but I knew it existed. And uh, yeah, it's crazy that we watched them in reverse order because this is actually a classic film with, you know, other actors in it. Like there's people in this like uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Bill Murray, Brecken Meyer, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jimmy Kimmel. Is in this. Kimmel is in this. That's I insane. forgot about that. You <laughs> That's know? insane. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this has a 2.4 average on Letterboxd, which I think is kind of crazy. Because sure, the CGI on Garfield himself doesn't age the best. I thought the rest of the animals were f- more than passable. Well, the rest of them are just actual animals. Yeah. Are they not? Yeah, they I'll are, but it has like CGI mouth. Oh, the CGI, which... Lots of CGI mouths this week. Yeah, we'll talk more we'll about talk that. More about but... That, but... The rest of the animals are good because they're just animals. I always love when animal actors are actually on set and then they just, you know, animate the face of an actual physical real animal. I kind of like that. I I sometimes think it looks bad, but I think Garfield did it the best. Yeah, this movie does it minimally. Like, we're not talking about, like, those movies with, like, the dogs where they make them, like, yeah, like, really not good looking at all yeah this is very subtle very so subtle just like basic moving the jaw yeah to um, make it look like that now garfield of course himself is fully animated but i do believe they used a uh, actual cat as reference you can tell that like a lot of his movements are very much cat-like so if they used an actual cat or if you, you know they just studied how cats move now, it really worked we should talk more about the actual film i feel like we're really talking specifically a lot <laughs> about the cat yeah. part and the cgi because obviously that's where i'm most interested yeah. in with garfield but as terms of plot sure it's the basic setup of garfield it's how odie comes to be um why odie comes to be and there's a fun little adventure you know it's an 80 minute classic you put it down for your kids and they'll be entertained yeah. the story line, there's not I really much like deeper goes pretty quickly throughout stuff because there's like a lot to cover there's garfield um, he hates mondays he loves, he lasagna. loves lasagna and he hates mondays that's kind of 
the no. whole thing. They do yeah. they do establish a lot of the other Garfield side characters in a very like it's, tasteful way. I find like Normal and um, Arlene. Yeah, it's it's really just it sets up the it whole sets up the world of, of some fun little hijinks. Now I will say the pace is insane because it's like the longest eighty minutes I've ever seen. I would it say. goes by like there's a lot that happens and especially in the beginning you're like okay like mm-hmm. this is happening and then all of a sudden like somewhere in the middle it's just like what is even going on and why is there still so much left of this movie you know yeah it loses you somewhere in the middle but then it kind of picks up at the end yeah with that, like when they're you know chasing and i like the bad that guy and, i like that bill uh, murray sings in it too as garfield yeah bill murray brings a lot to bring garfield. murray is the voice of garfield i don't know why other people haven't been like this like it's kind of the perfect casting for Garfield. He's so good because he has such a Garfield voice. Like he has such so like sarcastic. that sarcastic. I don't give a fuck. It's, honestly, it's kind of the perfect casting. And like I know in like Zombieland, it's like Bill Murray's funny line is that he regrets doing the Garfield movie. But honestly, it kind of made my childhood. And every time I hear Bill Murray, I think of this movie, and it makes me feel warm inside. So yeah. five bags for nostalgia. <laughs> I gave it four bags, but. It was good. Like, it wasn't a bad movie. Does it deserve the 2.4? No. Yeah, like, I'm not going to hate on it, but it's also, like, not, like... It's not good. I don't need to, yeah. like... Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, can't, mean, <laughs> I, can't, I can't recommend this movie other yeah. than you had to have had the nostalgia for you it. You have to have... I recommend this... If you're a cat lover, you know? Yeah, if you watched it when you were a kid. Or if you like Garfield. I've Actually, I kind of like Heathcliff more as, like, a comic book character, but... I think Garfield is more central to my childhood. Yeah, I was playing Garfield, like, dot-com flash games. That's so funny. I used to read the Garfield comics, but, like, I never... Oh, every Sunday, yeah. I wasn't, like, interested in finding out any more of the lore of Garfield, like, beyond the comics. I used to play the game. I I had Garfield shirts. I I was Garfield plushes. I was big into Garfield because he's a fat cat. Because he's a lazy cat that loves Mondays. And And he he likes Italian food. Oh, no, I said it backwards. He hates Mondays and loves lasagna. Yeah, he loves Italian food and yeah. hates the work week. Yeah. So so anyway, that's <laughs> just that's all we. All I I wanted to gush a little yeah. bit about my childhood. Speaking of my childhood, we got the next film up by Richard Linklater, Boyhood. We have. Opinions. Neither of us watched this before we started. <laughs> so this movie, if if just to like give the background of this film. Yes, if you're unfamiliar with the title, you probably know it's by its like development history. Yeah. This is that film that took 15 years 12. to... 12? Yeah. Took 12 years to make and they used the same actor yeah. throughout the whole thing. So, so it's, it's an actual child growing through the film. Yeah, the story of this boy's life from when he's a little kid to essentially when he goes away to college and it's the same actor's throughout the film so you literally get to see these kids grow up over 12 years um by richard link later mm-hmm. and i personally am a real lover of richard link later we dived into him a little bit more this week and we have some different sort of thoughts on yeah him. honestly this was this is i think one of the better richard link later films uh, I feel like it, part of it is due to the fact that it's nostalgia targeted at our generation, like Game Boy Advanced and like you know Nintendo, Nintendo the the um the the Neopet or not Neopets but the little uh, Tamagotchis, oh, yeah, yeah. like it just was like oh yeah that was stuff that I grew up with. Oh man, I remember being that age, you know, like that that was yeah. And so like I wanted to give this ba- this film four bags because it was well made film, you know. I had some problems with like a little bit of the pacing. Yeah, because we should say this movie is 166 minutes, which is like 
almost three hours. Almost three hours. It's it's definitely, it's not necessarily the longest three hour film I've seen because there's some really fucking yeah. long movies, but it just awkwardly it, paced. It is really moments fly by where you'll be continually guessing. Wait, is that the same kid? Because he just aged so suddenly off screen. Or, or it'll just be spending like 30, 40 minutes at the same age yeah. to, for plot. Yeah, they're, I mean... They're, well, I say plot very loosely. <laughs> they're trying to fit in... I mean, yeah, the, the plot is very loosely just the this plot is kid, just kid growing up. up. But there's a lot of other things that are happening in the background with, uh, you know, his parents being separated, his mom going in and out of these different relationships and different friendships that he forms. But um, at the end of the day, like, the pacing is very like inconsistent as to what's happening and it's very confusing sometimes um and i honestly feel like a lot of it could have been trimmed down Mm -hmm. so that this film was a little bit shorter but at the same time like i understand that this film like took literally 12 years to film and i'm sure they don't want to just like cut cut it down like they probably have so much I kind of work with. I I re- I really appreciate the concept of making it like this. Yeah. But at the same time, it just feels so gimmicky. Like I, I don't think... see anything outside of this film other than the twelve years it took to make passing by. There's like the film doesn't really say a whole lot. Yeah, the film. Well, like in terms yeah. of message or experience, it's the... not. It's a slice of life film, you know. Yeah, but but I personally like I don't mind a slice of life film. Like I w- I kind of enjoyed just watching this kid grow up, but I feel like just because of the I way do... that the plot goes, it just kind of feels like at the end of it you don't get anything out of it when like you were watching this kid, like this boy grow up in like the really formative ages of his life. Like it feels like there should be a little bit more there than just sort mm-hmm. of watching what's going on around him like in the background like i would have liked to seen the flash forward at the end when he's now flash forward i would have liked to have gotten more at the end basically i didn't i always feel like richard linklater ends his films when they should start i feel like and so and so like this film like we watched this kid we watched all this trauma and then he's like all right i'm going to college and we don't know what this kid does with his life it's called boyhood i know but it's just like i just leaves me asking the question of why make this money i kind of feel like the movie went on this is another thing with like the length and the pacing i feel like it went on too long i would have liked it if it just cut off right when he graduated for high school or right when he leaves for college because then it continues going for like this little extra period of time where like Mm -hmm. he starts his college journey but then the movie ends yeah so it's like it doesn't it doesn't commit show that to me either stop it yeah yeah, stop it before college or show us all of college yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean that's kind of what i was trying to say yeah no i totally Uh, get that i also had to take take away a a bag so i'm only gonna give it four bags because of the whole white savior plot line with the like the mom inspiring this mexican guy to go to college gracias it didn't add anything to the film do you want to just like explain so yeah at some point in the film she's getting worked on on her house and she's like this contractor is like knows this knows what he's doing and she's like you're a smart guy you should go to college uh and he's like oh i don't have the money and she's like try night school it's it's, it's cheap i work there and she's like oh okay and then so like at the end of the movie he sees her and he's like hey i see you and i i'm the owner of this building or whatever and i just wanted to take this moment to thank you for telling me to go to college 
But that was just so like yeah, cringy it and was really like white if you've ever seen The Blind Side, it, like it gave me that same ick. Yeah, it was just because it it was like as if she was the only person. Like they had a one minute conversation. <laughs> like she didn't she just do said, shit financially. Yeah, she, just she doesn't said, even know his Go name. To school. Yeah, and he, he, as if she was the only person to ever like say that. say that to him. It was just so. It was so bad. And it and did that not was need like to be there it just felt him. like. It felt like the reason they added that was probably because someone looked at the script and was like, what's the point of this film? Like, what's this film saying? And that was probably their way of shoehorning mm. in this idea of, like, higher education as, like, a form of salvation or, like... Yeah. But it just... Again, I hate that message and also it's cliched and what the fuck does... Anyway, sorry. Um, I'm a bit of a Richard Linklater hater. No, I did not like that. And I feel like if they removed it, it would not change It would have made my opinion on the film much higher, actually. Um... I also want to mention just that Patricia Arquette, who played the mom in this, has some of the worst hair I have ever seen. <laughs> and it's Jesus. so hilarious because every time like a time jump goes by and you think, okay, it's going to be better, it's like somehow worse. And it it, it, just, it just, I don't oh, know. Oh, and Linklater's was... daughter, I did not like her um, acting. Yeah, so Richard she was, Linklater. She, his, Richard, his daughter plays the daughter in this. Yeah, his daughter Lorelai Linklater is the actress in this. I actually really like this because, like, just I, coming from the like, immorals and ethic, the way that, like, anything to do with children, actors, and stuff like that, I like that it was his daughter, like, on the set rather than, like, them, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can appreciate However, that. However, you can tell that he does not have a good. Like, he's not. He doesn't ask her to do a second take. Yeah, he he's not like good at directing his daughter. You and that's, can tell. That's the worst part about it because it's just every time she's on screen, you're like, oh, okay. But I really, I also was. I found her character really compelling, though, just in the way that. She yeah, was I like that her character was, was in it. On. I I, I yeah. really appreciated that because mm-hmm. honestly, it was like the film plot was very comparable to like Lady Bird. But there, the difference was there was both a girl and a guy in it. Yeah, boy, and it's you know. over a, a longer period of time, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just broad strokes I'm talking yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Very slice of life, just what's going on. And so on. I appreciated having both genders in, with the kids. Like, I think that's yeah. that was a smart and, move, but I just think he should have been a little bit more professional with his daughter yeah. in terms I, of favoritism. <laughs> um... But yeah, it, I actually, I gave this four and a half stars because I actually really, like, I, I genuinely really liked it. I think this is definitely a movie, like, you're going to have to, like, really brace yourself to, like, sit down and, like, spend time I'm just one of those, I'm, I'm just thinking the, 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 the gimmick of the film, the, I'm not trying to convince you of anything, I'm just trying to make mm-hmm. my opinion not sound so crazy of being like, <laughs> yeah, it was a totally mid movie, uh, is that without that gimmick, there is nothing original in this film. yeah. And so that gimmick is what the film is. And that's cool, but I've seen better art installations by this point in my life with um, cooler gimmicks. I feel like with this movie, the idea of it being over such a long period of time, I just genuinely don't know if they would be able to make it any other way. Because if you imagine like showing all of the different time periods that they did, casting children like nathan fielder's the rehearsal yeah like casting those children each year and like not only making it believable but like having that through line of it really being the same person yeah would be tough like i think you could do it but i don't think it would have the same heart that this i just i just think there's been films that have done that already though 
but I but I think like a lot of them like I, I know like films have like okay this is like the the little kid version the medium kid version and then the adult version but this had like a lot but more does does having jumps. having a child looking different every other shot every other scene yeah does that aid the film I really, I, I kind of thought hindered that there was a lot of scenes I was going which one of these kids is the main kid because I they all look kind of the same yeah and I think it's also just hard because like going from being a little boy to a teenager is like that's obviously when you're gonna change the most and like very rapidly so there was certain times when like that's why i'm asking does it aid the I experience do, I do having this whole gimmick centered around if i don't a know completely different person you would he's making he's years. making a new one apparently yeah so he's making a new one of Richard these gimmicks later is doing another film like this um, so i'm curious to see how that stacks up in comparison because now that people are like used to that I'm curious if it's gonna have any. Yeah. Because maybe it'll maybe it'll force maybe it'll have more of like. But I don't think it, the new one's gonna. I think it's with like adults, so I don't I, even. I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited still. I'm yeah. Excited. Well, yeah. So. I love to hate watch Richard Linklater only because <laughs> School of Rock was one of my favorite childhood films. Love watch Richard Linklater. <laughs> I don't know, Boyhood. I, I it wasn't my favorite Richard Linklater film that will forever and always be dazed and confused, but it was actually like I I genuinely really enjoyed it. We've been watching a lot of Richard Linklater recently. I feel like the only Richard Linklater films that are missing from what we've both seen is like the Before Sunrise trilogy. And then also, of course, Scandler Darkly, critically panned, rotoscoped film starring Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I have not seen that one. I don't want to. I don't like I and also. Um, and I love Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I like Ethan Hawke too. The yeah. next film on our list, though. Uh, I've been wanting to watch for a long time, and I've actually known the plot of it. Um, uh, so I've, I've referenced it on last week's episode or a few weeks' episodes. Yeah, ago, it was a couple. I was a I got called out on my life because um. apparently I said I watched it. I sort of do this sometimes mm. where I don't want to admit I haven't seen a film, so I'll just casually play off like I have seen it. There are so many movies that I just assume that you've seen because either you have flat out told me that you've seen them or you seem Can to just... know everything about them so the title of this <laughs> film is called in the mouth of madness uh it's one of the few john carpenter films i actually haven't watched and uh i am very happy to say it's as good as i thought it was going to be now there's a few cringy moments and it's definitely not as scariest film but i would definitely say it's a fun john carpenter experience if you want to know what we're talking about this film opens with a guitar solo over, like, a printing press. Okay? <laughs> That's the kind of film you're diving into. And then it just immediately from that, guy being dragged into a mental institution, screaming he doesn't belong there. So yeah. it's kind of one of those films, best left, plot, vague as fuck. Just don't, yeah, you don't, you don't, don't want us to spoil wanna... things. We can t give you a general vibe of talk about, and I think... Yeah. Um, we maybe set up the plot if mm -hmm. you want, yeah. but I don't know. Like, it's definitely best experienced without knowing. Um, did you want to like set up the plot of this? Sure. So, um, plot-wise, uh, there is a man who's gone missing who is like a famous horror writer, and we are following the insurance company's investigator as he tries to track down this man, believing it to be like a PR stunt to sell his newest horror book. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. That's that's basically yeah. the plot. And, and it just kind of devolves into... Yeah, 
this in the mouth of madness yeah it goes into madness it goes into madness i was really into this film like i thought like it was very captivating it was it held my attention i wanted to know what was going to happen where the characters were going to go this film basically did everything midsummer tried to do but better oh that's exactly Um, what i'm going to say because this film i know has the reputation for being one of the closest films to depict lovecraftian horror moderately accurately midsummer for boys no (laughs) no um no yeah lovecraftian i don't know a lot about lovecraftian horror he's basically this author's super fucking white um horrible guy but he has this style of horror of being you know uh fish out of water entering this sort of cult-like world and then revealing to be a larger something uncon like inconceivable to the human mind that leaves them shattered for having even experienced it so you can't you can't experience it because then you're you're changed forever not always but like basically yeah okay basically it's like the type of horror that's just like to even like like the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones. Mm. To look at it means your face melts off. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best case scenario. Mm. Worst case scenario, you become like Jeff Goldblum's The Fly or some shit. That's obviously completely different. But I just love John. Uh, wait, actually, he did do The Fly. Right? No, no, he didn't. No, that was sorry. I, he the thing is why I'm always like thinking The, the fly, fly, but the that's thing, yeah. sorry. Um, uh, what's the main guy's name? Sam Neil. The actor? Yeah. He's really good. <laughs> yeah, he's in uh, from Jurassic Park. He's the he's the main guy from Jurassic Park, Grant. Oh my god, my jaw just dropped. You didn't know that? No, I did now that I'm looking at it. No, no okay. I thought uh, you recognized I'm, that. I didn't I'm say so that during stupid. the movie because no, I thought you recognized I do now that I'm looking at it, but my brain didn't like register that because like... We're getting we're getting really we're getting really off track. Anyways, the movie is really good, and if you're like a John Carpenter fan, this is I feel like one of his more like if you're a less har- talked about movies. This is definitely one of John Carpenter's sleeper hits. So if you're a hipster scumbag like me and wants to be like cool for referencing things people not everyone might have seen, this is a good one because yeah. it's really good and uh, it's pretty Lovecraftian. Yeah, and yeah, I, if you want to be like kind of spooked. It's a good, it's a good horror, but not gory. It's not, I was about to say, it doesn't have the John Carpenter signature, like, super gory. Nor super violent. Yeah. And it does have a little bit of that, but not a ton. A little bit. Not a ton, though, compared to, like, anything else by John Carpenter. So, you know, if that's, like, what's keeping you from watching John Carpenter. The only thing is that you should watch it, and it's free on YouTube. So, like, go watch this right after this podcast if you're looking for a film. That's my recommendation of the week. What, how many bags? Um, I gave it four and a half. Okay. Yeah. So you put that as tied with boyhood? I tied it with boyhood, yes. That's I, crazy <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. Ugh. Completely, completely different vibes, but both of them are... Same levels of good? Same levels of like, this is really, really good. Four and a half to me is like basically almost perfect. The five bagger comes to me when it's like, I like know that I'm going to be like rewatching this film like within the week. So... Five bags is like hard to. You you, you rarely give out five. I bags. rarely give out five bags. Well, is what I'm saying. Next film is our stinker of the week. I think we can agree um, on. Yeah, I guess this is my lowest rating of the week. This is the second Richard Linklater film that we watched this week. 
Suburbia. Suburbia. This is definitely like a Richard, like one of his less talked about movies as well. Yeah, we were kind of doing and a hipster thing. We were talking. We were about... kind of looking. I was kind of looking through Richard Linklater's filmography, kind of seeing what films of his I haven't seen yet, just because I'm like very interested in him as a director. And we picked Suburbia. This is quite literally just a worst version of Dazed and Confused. Yeah, it's like if it's Dazed like, and Confused was sad. It's like if Dazed and Confused had Post like... Post 9-11 Dazed and Confused. <laughs> but this came out in the 80s, it so out it's 96. not... Oh, 96? Yeah. Oh, this is just like post-Kurt's death. Essentially, this movie has sort of the classic Richard Linklater no plot vibes. But there is but there so is much plot. also a lot of plot. I was okay. just going to say. So this is, we, need to, uh, we need to discuss Yeah, we need this. to talk this film because like plot-wise, so, we're going to spoil Suburbia, I think. Yeah. Sorry if you I haven't really, seen this one. This one is definitely not one that I would like. Like if I was to recommend you guys go watch a movie about like teenagers hanging out and like being annoying, I would just recommend watching Dazed and Confused. Like I this is this is kind of like Clerks. Yes. If Clerks didn't have any sort of aesthetic identity and was just like sad. <sighs> yeah. So let's talk about the plot. The first half of the film. Is just setting up characters, you know, they're they hanging outside this convenience store yeah, in the so late hours of the night and set, sort of setting up all why they're there. In the classic Richard Linklater, like, style of movies, this is about, like, a bunch of high school kids or maybe, like, a little bit older than high school kids. Like, just just, just graduated like, yeah, high school kids type. that are stuck in their, like, Tw- small early 20s. town yeah. in Texas. Um because Richard Linklater loves Texas. He does love Texas. And they're basically just like, you know, they don't really have any clear, like, defined path in life that they're going. So they're kind of stuck in this just, like, hanging out kind of vibe. And they hang out a lot on this corner near this, like, gas station. And on this one night, one of their old friends, who, like, they used to be good friends with, who is now, like, a famous singer, uh is back in town for the night and that's like the whole setup basically yeah yeah um right off the bat i want to say i feel like these characters are not none of them are super compelling in none of them way. are likable yeah they none all, of them are like there's like the depressed one there's the the, the, the closest one to a like the closest one to a likable character is like our the, the, the main protagonist who's like depressed writer Who's just constantly smoking cigarettes. Yeah. He, and he's like, he sucks, okay? This guy is just like, listen, you shouldn't have a birthday party because it's we're going to run out of helium balloons, okay? He's like, it's like true, but like, damn, that's that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, then he's got two buddies who was like, one was went to the Marines and is like a total bad boy. Yeah. Like, I want to fucking stab you in the dark. Yeah. And the other one's like a party chud who just like wants to fuck and get drunk. Yeah, Steve Zahn, which by the way, Steve Zahn, I feel like does Best give, part of the movie. He gives a lot to his character. He gives and, like, 110. brings so much fun to it. However, like, I can't lie, the character himself, like, kind of sucks. Like, he's kind of just, like, this, like, classic Dopey. high school, like, older high school guy that's just, like, drunk all the time, like, saying, you know, not the nicest things. And it's like... In, but in, Steve in, Zahn makes him lovable because I love In a Steve high school Zahn. comedy, normally that character is kind of funny because, like, the rest of them are all kind of elevated to, yeah. like, a, a hyper-realistic, yeah. like, oh, everything's perfect type thing. And then, like, there's, oh, no, but the pl- the drama. 
in this like heroin ridden world that guy is just kind of more sad than yeah. anything and then you have like the main character's girlfriend who's like a wannabe Ooh. arts artist who doesn't really believe in anything but just kind of wants to be have attention i found her character like on the discussion around her character probably like out of everything in the film the most interesting because she has this plot of like she wants to be an artist but she can't necessarily really pinpoint like what she wants to do other than like be an artist she wants to be famous yeah like she doesn't want to be an artist she wants to be a celebrity yeah. i think this film the whole point of this film i feel like is saying is the distinction between artist and celebrity yeah which and, I, I think is like probably one of the most interesting because like the main character almost film. doesn't is like refutes the idea of being a celebrity like he doesn't want to do that he does want the like the attention with his friends but doesn't want the like fame it yeah. seems like so it's just like weird because like he wants the art to be an artist and wants the credit of being an artist without being a celebrity and it's like seems like there's some elements of that hidden underneath yeah. layers of kids just hanging out yeah but i really but wish they they don't really at, don't at they all. don't get into it yeah and it's just kind of i also there. feel like the discussion around like the main guy's girlfriend um i think her name was suze yeah suze um i think some of it comes off a little bit misogynist as well and the way not only like the characters discuss her but just like the way that she's like f framed in the story is it, it's a little bit it's very like women written by a man yeah 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 very and, very and, yeah that was a little bit jarring um and then she also has a friend her who... friend is like is like really sad okay her friend is just like want, is actually a friend of their successful musician friend coming yeah. who's coming back to town and Suze's friend that tags along is just this like quiet shy person who gets like forgotten about in the film it's almost like you get to a point in the movie where you're like did the characters just forget about her or did the writer forget about this character yeah like because <laughs> like you think like okay so they, like did she go home like i yeah. guess she just like left and there's a couple and there's a couple times when like they go and find her yeah like and they're like, like oh yeah you've disappeared bb bb whatever your name is yeah there you are um and then spoiler, the end of the film, they like forget about her, and the next morning they find her fucking dead. Okay, so she did die up there. That's yeah. What, okay. Yeah, the I mean, was a the ending's vague. a little vague. Like the ending, maybe she gets survived at the hospital, but yeah, it ends pretty grim. She, like, well, we should mention also like there's a bunch of other plot that She basically just mentions happens, like, oh, but... I have a drinking problem, and I'm not supposed to drink, and then like gets drunk with these people. Yeah, these and, strangers um, in a parking lot. Yeah, I think I think that like is you know another like classic Richard Linklater of like just like bad influences like people you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But the ending, we should talk. We need to talk about. We'll get um, to the ending in a second. Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to say before that aesthetically, this is might be my favorite Linklater film. <laughs> no way. Actually, yes way. Aesthetically, it's like just so dark and like stage lit that it's like it's so. It's I can't so tell it's, if it's so a dark, set or if it's just like it's like really it's like filmed super weirdly. It's like it's... dark with just a single spotlight over the um yeah. supermarket, and like I kind of wish but they that's, like, leaned realism. more. Yeah, I wish they leaned into that, mm. but they didn't. Mm. It's just like that's that that was like the only thing I had to say positive about this film. Really, was that the aesthetics stood out in terms of Linklater's filmography, and, and that's why I, I can appreciate the like darker grunge of it all. 
There was also another plot line that was really crazy. Yeah, well, there, there's there's a lot of plot in this film. There's like a whole, his friend has like, his, hooks up with this successful guy's uh, manager and they all go out drinking and his like, Sue's hooks up with yeah, the, the successful guitarist. And, and, no, but what I was going to say is that like with like maybe half an hour left of the film, they introduced this plot of this the kind of like most asshole character he just like tells his friend like the main character that he murdered somebody and you're like wait what like that girl got murdered yeah you're like, and you're oh. like okay and then you like look at it and you're like there's only half an hour left of this movie why did they introduce that plot and it gets kind of crazy from there because you know the friend is like oh my god my friend murdered somebody that's crazy um turns out he didn't and he just like lied spoiler but like what was the point of that because it was like almost interesting and then it was just like not yeah it just was like an insane like almost twist ending that then but then somebody like, did was... end up dying so yeah 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 well because then he comes back and he's like wait you're you're you know he's like you fucking murdered someone he's like oh you didn't even look no she's fine yeah and then that person who's supposed to be murdered shows up and you're yeah. like oh i guess everything's fine and then you got to remember, since it's in Texas, there's some subtle immigrant racism, of course, going to be written into the film. So the owners of the supermarket are from, like, another country. They're brown-skinned yeah. people. And so there's, like, racist tensions, and he pulls a gun, and they're dancing around with guns like jackasses. And turns out the girl we forgot about overdosed on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, anything that you think is going to happen doesn't happen. It's the most insane batshit really ending. Insane. And I wouldn't say it's deserved. Like, I appreciate no. the, the girl going missing type shit. Kinda, like, I thought that coming back was f a good yeah. twist. But the whole racist immigrant thing was just... Yeah, the, uh, there's a lot of... It doesn't end. It's just, like, why would you write that, And man? I think it, it, it really doesn't, like... Doesn't I understand Richard Linklater trying to... Like, I appreciate him trying to do, like, this is what kids in texas are just like you know they are pro there are probably so many high school age kids in texas that are just like racist yeah in course. that way but to include it in the film in a way that is just like not a hundred percent against it yeah doesn't necessarily have any clear stance on it is a little bit it's so weird weird um, two bags i gave it three bags but honestly like it was definitely the stinker of the week yeah it was honestly pretty disappointing because i was like it, it was such a like it had so many of the elements that i loved from dazed and confused but it just hit like it just missed the mark on so many it was like things. it was and like I think he tried... it comes down to the the characters mm -hmm. are so not likable in this i don't know i didn't like the characters in Days confused I have a completely different opinion on that film, but like to, to, to cite an example, another example that I do like, uh, uh, that other one, everybody wants some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, even those characters have redeeming qualities and it's like there's upbeat moments to highlight yeah. the good parts of even the shittiest character. Yeah. Whereas you don't kind of end just... the movie and just be like, okay, they all suck. And... <laughs> they all suck and they don't hang out anymore. Yeah. Okay. Anyways... Next up, we got a Quentin Tarantino classic. Do you want to say the title? This was my highest rated of the week. Really? Yeah. You get this higher than In the Mouth of I Madness? In the Mouth of Madness four and a half. I said that before. Mm. Um, we watched Inglorious Bastards. Great film. 
this movie slayed i'm so glad i picked this off of your list i've been wanting to watch it for so long and honestly it might even be one of my favorite quentin tarantino's it's definitely up there for me as well because like there's it's rare you see a really fun world war ii movie usually they're like saving private ryan levels of like real and sad yeah which i i do appreciate like that because you know it's world war ii but however this take on it is so much fun it's so and not only like it going to like what i was saying before like all of the characters are so intriguing and interesting and like all have like these like really interesting stories and all this stuff going on now this is a great film that has some really in-depth characters that all they they make the best of their screen time yeah like starting opening with um christoph waltz's the jew hunter and uh what's her name sommelier or um soshana oh and soshana escaping from like this really intense interrogation yeah only to end up having her be like the downfall of the nazi party yeah it's like it's like it's it's really it's really great and really girl boss slay it's a very fun satisfying movie that's it just like really it's an alternate universe like what if i do think i will say like just in general i always think it's really crazy when movies take real life situations and just like change them change what goes on and especially this movie being about world war Two and it like having hitler quite literally in it and like you would, rewriting his you story would, is insane, but it's very it's it, it, there's something about it that is insanely satisfying, you know. To seeing watch. like Hitler getting fucking blown up in the face, yeah, <laughs> yeah. or like Kim Jong like uh, Kim Jong Un getting exploded with a rocket launcher in the interview. <laughs> that movie, I I can't remember that movie. <laughs> the interview, no. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> this movie does it way better. This movie does that way better. I was I'd I say yeah. Um, I loved. This is insane for me because I'm not necessarily always a Brad Pitt lover. Brad Pitt's but Brad Pitt really is good. great in this. The southern accent he does is so goddamn good. Bongiorno. <laughs> um everybody like I mean it's freaking Quentin This Tarantino. has this is Quentin like, Tarantino's humor at its best. Everybody's like Quentin Tarantino knows how to write and direct and 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 honestly the best scene in this to showcase Quentin Tarantino's like writing and like masterful skill of suspense is the pub bar scene that whole scene so good it's so good and it's just uh this film honestly you cannot gush and gush enough about i think it's honestly one of his more underrated films everyone always likes to jerk off like pulp fiction and reservoir dogs but i would say this is like top four top three this is i will say that like um the i wasn't really like a fan of the um narration that they did yeah i kind of forgot about that but it's such like it's used very sparingly to the point where like you don't it's not like super annoying or in your face what did you feel about the gore i i didn't love the gore either but that's quentin's thing it's needless it's it's senseless i didn't i also like i it's pretty tasteful all things considered yeah there's a few scenes um, where he has to like remind you that it's him he's directing this movie but other than that i found that like it was done in like a way that i was like i can understand why this is here but i'm gonna need to close my eyes just because i personally don't want to look at that but i get it mm-hmm. um a little bit gross but like it's a film about world war world war Two, so 
in that way, I think he can get away with it. And this film also obviously assumes a lot out of the audience too. Like you have to know what World War Two is isn't about because they don't go into that. They don't talk about well, the rounding yeah, up. Yeah, I like, think that's kind of a. I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like you can't just like there's like a little bit of that. Like this film does expect you to have some basic understandings of like. It's Italy was part of the Axis powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like if you know next to nothing about history, maybe maybe start with like I don't know, fucking uh, that Liam Neeson Holocaust film. I will maybe, say, yeah. like, even though yeah, you might want to have like a general knowledge of World War Two, this film is decently easy to follow in terms of the plot. It is. I'm just saying that as a kid who watched this as one of my earlier. Oh, you watched World this as a kid? Well, like I was like 15, oh, okay. 14. Like a, yeah, yeah. But it was still like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like crazy. it's fun, but it's also like I did might have failed a few history tests. Yeah. Because of Quentin. <laughs> um, no, but this was a great film. Five bags. I really I you know what? I'll say it. Quentin Tarantino knows how to make movies. Yeah. And there was women in it too. Unfortunately, and women with speaking roles. Not and uh, not a lot of feet. There was a little. There was a little. But a little, I but said not, not a lot. lot. Not yeah. a lot. There was like only it one is scene. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie, so there had to be a little, but better than expected. It's like if Quentin Tarantino tried to make a Hollywoodized and, well, film. He wasn't in this one, was he? No, he didn't cameo in it. Yeah, that was that was like a nice little surprise that I didn't have to. Because every time, no offense to him, but like every time he shows up in one of his movies, it's like a little bit of a jump scare because it's just Quentin Tarantino. I have to say one more thing. There's one scene in this film where they recruit um, Private Stiglitz or whatever, Hugo Stiglitz and he's in the jail scene and they like all burst in and the drum roll starts that old school like World War II. That scene is the closest cinema will ever get to a Team Fortress 2 movie. I just needed to say that. Also, Mike Myers is in this. Also, Mike Myers is in this. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> that was like the the Quentin cameo, but they got yeah, Mike Myers. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, we watched Stuart, Stuart Little. Little. So this is a classic. 1999 uh, New York classic film starring Gina Davis, Michael Hugh J. Fox. Laurie. And Hugh Laurie. His, even, even his IMDb picture is a is picture House from MD. House MD. So... <laughs> He he's done movies. He's in Hop. He's in Stuart Little too. He's in you know One Hundred and One Dalmatians, uh, not the, the original the live action original one. Original live action. <laughs> multiple live actions of this movie. Well, there's One Hundred and One Dalmatians, and there's One Hundred and Two Dalmatians, <gasps> and then there's the live action Cruella. Disney is just such a fucking goddamn. Anyway, but the, it's like it's like the live action Maleficent. Like that's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Hugh Laurie is in this. If if you if you're a fan of House MD and you haven't seen this movie since you were a kid, go back. Yeah, that was watch crazy. It. That, was a, that was crazy. I never ever um, pieced and that together. Michael J. Fox as the titular Stuart Little from Back to the Future. Marty McFly. Marty McFly. Um. Honestly, he did a movie, great job voice acting in this. I was just gonna say this movie. Like, I haven't personally seen this since I was like very little. And going back and watching this, I feel like, you you know, you, with movies like this from our childhood, you don't know if it's going to, like, how it's going to hold up and, like, how much of your memory of the movie is, like, from just watching it when you were, like, so little, so you get clouded by that. This movie held up. Yeah. This movie was good. It wasn't, you know, a great movie. It's Stuart Little. But from, like, going from what I remember as a kid to now... This movie is good. It's well 
made. I would say the cinematography is probably the strongest part. Yeah. The, the cinematography, cinematography is really good. I will say, like, yeah, the visuals really help to sell the, the plot the and CGI, everything CGI, I will say, did age as not necessarily the best. Not the best, but also not the worst. It's I've there's definitely worse examples, but it is 1999. Yeah. By this point, there was things such as like Lord of the Rings. That's crazy. So. But Stuart CG, Little did uh, not have the Lord of the Rings budget. I know, I know. <laughs> that's why I'm not saying anything. But I'm just yeah. the CGI. It's not necessarily. It's it does. It's it do, Stuart Little you in know a modern era. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna look a little bit like oh. I will say the plot is a bit weird because it just sort of starts and it's like, oh, yeah, there's a talking mouse. Oh, yeah, he's in a regular orphanage with regular kids. The, and, oh, yeah, they just adopt him. They adopt him? like, And everyone everyone thinks it's weird, but no one has the heart to tell them, which almost makes me like wonder more about the parents that yeah, adopt Stuart Little. So like, much. Does one of them have like a, a non-divergent or non non neurotypical brain a brain are they autistic neurodivergent yeah is one of them neurodivergent brains or i don't know because the movie (laughs) is so crazy because like they adopt Stuart little within the first like five minutes of this movie and he's back at their house in the first yeah i understand there's more fish to fry than like how they like adopted Stuart little like you just have to dive in and be like okay this is what's going on these people adopted a mouse. We're moving on from there. However, I the, the wish film, they explained it a the little film, bit more. I was willing to give the film some slack because then there's like Stuart Little's parents. <clears throat> it's like, sure, okay, talking mouse can talk to humans. and they have. But then the family already has a pet cat, <laughs> not a brother cat. And guess what? That cat is voiced by uh, Jonathan Lipnick. Or, no. No. Nathan Lane. Yeah, I guess... <laughs> read the wrong name. <laughs> that cat is voiced by IMDB. And it's like, what the hell? Why Why is Why is the cat a pet, but Stuart gets a whole ass room? What I don't think they ever truly explained is if... I understand that, like, the cat can talk to Stuart Little and but to can the other the cat cats. But can talk the cat talk to the people? Yeah, can the cat talk to the humans or can only Stuart Little and other mice because there's also other mice in this movie as well as other cats but only the mice and the humans interact in terms of like conversation direct conversation yeah it brings up it opens up a huge can of worms because it's like what yeah first of all why can't they talk to their cat second of all (laughs) is there other animals that they that can speak what about dogs also can all mice just talk to people or is it like a specific type of mice it's, yeah it, there's it, a lot of questions that again it's a kids film so they don't talk about any of them yeah they don't but explain it at all i wonder if the i will say it. i doubt it it's just it's it's one of those things that i kind of either wish they did explain or like fully embrace the absurdity of i feel they like don't. they do like a, they try to embrace they try it, to but, but then they always like every single joke is that like like they like they invite the whole family over to meet their new kid and they're like he's a a mouse yeah so it's like and it's so like, it's like clearly so it's not clearly normal. not normal to do that but i also feel like it makes sense like they make this like comment in like the very beginning of the movie where the adoption lady is like we don't recommend that you adopt outside of your species which like then brings up like the whole conversation of is this like about racism that's kind of what i thought initially um, but like let's assume they're just t- yeah, li- they're meaning just that saying literally that you literally do not 
adopt how many fucking species. race species do they have in the house do they got birds they yeah, got like so like fish um i'm assuming that like the way the way that people think it's weird is just because like you like in this world the mice hang out with the mice and the humans hang out with the humans however how did like how just, did we get into the it's just it's, there was, there's a lot of moments it's hard it, the film asks a lot in terms of suspension if you're and disbelief. a child you if you're know, a child you're you fine you can just go okay yeah they adopted a mouse yeah That's of course like funny. yeah however funny. we're adults we're 20 something we are at our core a little bit like we're a little critical yeah we're a little bit critics in a way this movie though i will say like it's the, a fun film it's fun uh, the plot is a little bit like it's a little bit like Paddington vibes of like Very they Paddington get vibes. him and then it's like oh no this is actually that's actually a great analogy this is the American Paddington this is this is New York's Paddington Britain they got a cute little bear in like a raincoat yeah New York you get a fucking rat no and it's so true because like in Paddington like Paddington is just like this like oh sorry yeah he's like helping everybody but like also causing like a big mess accidentally yeah accidentally Stuart Little is just like he's just a, a fucking, mouse he's a he's a he's a wuss. He doesn't do like he really doesn't such do a pushover. anything. He's but just I mean, like, like he's getting chased. Half of the movie he's getting chased by like twelve like feral cats. Yeah. So he just sort of runs. Which, by the way, Chaz Palminteri voices a cat in this, which is insane. And Steve Zahn. Speaking about Steve Zahn. The the connection. Um. Yeah. Everything's connected, guys. I was gonna say I, I recognized him from something. Anyways. Stuart Little. We, uh, three bags. Um, three and a half bags. Yeah. I I think. I will. Oh, last note: the cat acting because they used actual yeah. cats. They have really, really good cats in this film. If you like seeing cat actors in this, highly, highly recommend checking yeah. out Stuart Little. It's just a good, um, really good. I wanna. I also just like want to make a quick note on the cinematography because I said it was good, but I feel like they like what they really commit with the cinematography to do like those really like high low angles and wide and high, high angles. angles so that you you feel like. Stuart Little is little, yeah. and these people are big to him. They like, like almost shoot it like a skate video. Yeah, like it's actually like so I really appreciate lines. that they like committed to it in that way, and I think that really helps. I think that definitely. Sh- it reminds me a little bit of the um. The cinematography makes up for like the plot's lack yeah. of immersion. Yeah, yeah, because the plot's kind of like no offense, like sorry, the plot it's it's I'm yeah. an adult. Um, <laughs> but it gives um the vibes of the live action Cat in the Hat in its visuals. Anyways, last film of the week, we have. Oh. This is a this is a Gary Marshall classic. Oh my god! Wait, Gary Marshall directed this? Yeah, of course. You love him. He did Pretty Woman, I Princess do Diaries, love Gary Marshall. Runaway Bride, Mother's Day, Beaches, Rising, Raising Helen, George Rule, New Year's Eve, Wait, Valentine's on. Day. Dear Mother's God. Day. He did all of those day movies. That's like... Um, we're we're talking about the classic Overboard starring Kurt Russell and uh, Goldie Hawn. This is a film. This is a film, yeah. How do we even set this so, up? This was one of those that like, while you were watching, I remember you were like saying a lot like god if i was her i would just kill myself or like run away in the middle of the night <laughs> well i feel like we have, to set up, we have to set up the plot okay so, so yeah the plot is there's this rich bitch on a yacht and she invites a carpenter over and then she like fucks the carpenter and throws all his tools in the fucking yeah water not like and... literally like they just she just yeah like, not like in a hot way she just like she doesn't pay, doesn't pay him, him. Yeah. And he's like hey get off my boat um and then throws him off the boat and then 
by the lux of fate, she happens to get knocked off the boat herself in the middle of the night in a thunderstorm, and no one notices. And so I don't she think gets it was in a thunderstorm. Okay, well, she happens to get she knocked off the boat. Unit That's not how the ocean works. But uh, <laughs> she uh, she falls off the she boat. falls off the boat and she gets amnesia and she wakes up in that hick town and the carpenter sees on the news that she has amnesia and is like, hey, I got an idea. Here's how I'm gonna get back at her because he, he says he's gonna get back at her. And so he's he decides to get back at her by convincing the government that that's his wife with amnesia. And by and, that, I just mean he shows up and is like, yeah, that's my wife. And that's my like, wife. Take her. Well, he does specify where her birthmark is. Yeah. Because he, he, looked, he, he looked at her butt when he was working on her boat yeah. and saw she was in a bikini. Yeah. So a little bit of... Anyways. I don't know what that, I don't know what that <laughs> um, does. But anyway, so then so she becomes she, the mother of four yeah, of his kids because his real like, wife died a few years back. Yeah, and, he basically is like, that's my wife. And then she like assumes the position of wife and mother. And so she has to go from riches to rags. And she's like on her knees scrubbing and learning how to cook dinner. And yeah. it's kind of like and, a funny... Um, it becomes somewhat of, of course it does, but it becomes somewhat of like a, a romantic plot where like she's falling in love with this guy. Now, some people do call that Stockholm Soldier Syndrome. Yeah. But, you know. Um, and then at some point at the end, she d- realizes that like she gets to choose she gets between memory. returning to her old life. Well, and yeah. She she... Get, eventually, of course, she gets her memory back and realizes that this guy was just using her. Yeah. And uh, she she goes back to her old life and then finds that the like rich class world she's from doesn't suit, suit her taste anymore because yeah. she's had a taste of the real working man's world so she goes back to be with them now i feel like you have a lot to say about this movie so i'm just gonna let you talk <laughs> okay this is i, lo- I, I just okay, wait, before real quick i grew up with this movie it was on lifetime a lot and so when i was at home like watching movies in the middle of the day and my mom was like folding laundry this was like a classic for us i have to say like I, in terms of the movies it's not a bad movie and I, I like the concept of taking somebody and, like, completely reversing what they are living, like, in that situation. However, it's kind of like insane. Yeah, it was kind of like wife swap in that way. Oh. Like, she basically gets kidnapped, essentially, and into being in this marriage because this guy is, like, she has no memory and he's just saying, you're my wife. This is your life. And then he even, like, photoshops, like, photos of their wedding. And, like, he, like, commits. Yeah. She's like, wait, what? And and he gets... And he uses her. I mean, like, she's cooking. She's cleaning. She's caring for his He even comes up with a whole backstory for her. She's like, you were in the Navy. And used to be fat and short. But then you've been dieting. Yeah. Like, he really commits commits. to making sure that she, like, stays in this situation. She, like, believes she... This is the situation she's part of. Yeah. And she, she learns to love it i will say the funny thing is at some point he realizes that this has gone on too far and tries to stop it but then the kids have come to like really appreciate having a mom figure and won't let her go and they're like dad what are you saying that's crazy yeah and it's kind of like because he is showing that his character isn't so flawed like going back to that conversation we had at suburbia about having a likable character even though he did this bad thing he even knows when it's time to say all right listen this is like gone on too far yeah yeah, I think, like, at the end of the day, like, in the beginning, he's just trying to, like, make money. and then He's just trying to get back He here. Like, yeah, he gets into the situation, but then it ends up being helpful. I mean, to him, it's helpful because she's, like, 
assuming the position of mother and caretaker in the family so she's caring for his children and making again making them food cleaning and all of that stuff um and that's kind of i think he kind of gets like caught up in all of that Mm -hmm. um however that just makes the ending of the film well i think there's like they do fall in love yeah they like but it's also in love but it's also under beauty and the beast falling it's under the pretense of she's he's saying we've already been married for 13 years so it's not she's falling in love with with this idea that he's putting in her head of we they've been together for so long you love me because you married me yeah. you know which she didn't but yeah. she doesn't know that and so then she, she just no like memory. regains all her memories yeah. and still has that feeling yeah, that's been that like instilled like, yeah um and i think that makes the end of the film super super unsatisfying because she i mean it would, you would, don't want her to end up with either man because she ends up getting to choose between like this rich husband that she has <laughs> we should like, talk about him oh my god he it's went literally back. richard gilmore the actor richard Gil- who plays richard gilmore anyways and he he when he first notices she didn't come back to yeah. bed he's like oh snap we should go find her he finds her and then sees that even though she has has amnesia she's still like a rich annoying yeah bitch. like she still kind of has this and like, mean like, energy and so he's just like all right that's not her yeah, he, he just her. goes and parties, and the and only like, reason he comes back, the only reason he comes back, is because her mom demands him to. Yeah, yeah, he sucks <laughs> so bad. So obviously, you, it's like you don't you want don't her to want her to end, end with, with either of them. But you, it's also like I don't want her to end up with Kurt Russell either. Well, and Kurt Russell is pretty beefy though. I do. I mean, he looks. He, good he's wearing this. a tank top for most of the film. Yeah, and he keeps doing that thing. Where yeah, he's like, he, he pulls it so his nips are out. <laughs> Oh my god! And then that like re re yeah that like sparks a memory. I'm like oh. Anyway. Um, but I think it's just upsetting to see that she like chooses to go back and return to this life that like isn't hers. And I know for a fact, and like it's a movie, you know, I get it. But like you know, her character is going back home and like cooking all of them dinner. Like you know, she now is just like. Well, she broke one cycle. Of I, the I would cycle like. Of, I would like to oh. hope that she regained her memory and realized she has money. So now maybe they can like buy a maid. They do like kind of touch on the. They fact do. That so, she she's like, money, oh, but, I have money because like then, her mom has money. But she has this moment with like the. the this film needed a sequel. <laughs> she has this moment with the people on the on the crew where she's just like, I'm so sorry for making you work for me, essentially, and not like, and so I don't know if that means like you know she's not going to like continue with that or she's just gonna like treat her workers well, but maybe maybe better. maybe she'll just like order out more instead of having to cook everyone dinner every time yeah you know no, what i'm saying maybe yeah, she'll yeah. use that money to make her life not being a slave yeah but, but it still just, helping it out just their seems family. like you know she kind wishful of thinking the way that i see it is like she broke out of the one cycle of being this like rich like rude bitchy kind of character and then she just like immediately jumped into this other cycle it's mm-hmm. like you actually you like can't win, and I feel like this kind of goes to the conversation that we've like had a couple of times this week, where it's like women can be like two things, you know, and it's like you're like this young like beautiful woman or your mother, mm-hmm. you're like you can't be anything else, and I feel like her character is like literally between literally those the two. symbol of that, like she goes yeah. from like just being this like I can be yeah, hot and beautiful like yeah 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 like trophy wife kind of to being a mother and there's no like personal 
growth. Like there is personal growth for her, but, but it I has so much to do with everything else. Everything else. Yeah, it's kind of like her. Her character is bound to the situation. In like helping her, like helping teach the children and care for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always think of that scene where she like yells off the teacher. Yeah, now that does. She does slay. Like she does, but again, it's in context to her family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you know. Anyways. Also, I... yeah, being a mother of four boys. That that, <laughs> that is what was getting to me because I was like, if I ever had an amnesia and I woke up and I didn't have any memory and then all of a sudden four I had boys. four boys and four of the worst behaved boys. Well, it's just because they don't have a mom. Which that is another <laughs> can of worms we could get into. But <laughs> Jesus, I would. I'm so sorry to all the men out there, but no. Hey, my mom was raising <laughs> two boys, so you know. Yeah. She did a good job. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was naturally a, a four bagger. Oh, uh, that for was me. a three bagger for me, but I think uh, there's I, room for like maybe a three and a half. Yeah, I felt like it's just like it, this film wasn't saying anything negative, and it was a fun film. We're reading a lot into it. I should. We say. are definitely we reading are a lot into it. We are taking this film that came out in the eighties, nineteen eighty-seven, by Gary Marshall, so the much. guy who did Pretty Woman a few years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. And yeah. I love Pretty Woman, so I feel like that me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's it's. Pretty Woman is like sort of opposite this movie. Wait, is this the guy from Pretty Woman? It's yeah, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same guy and girl. It's both of them. Oh, is it like like canon? No, it's different oh. characters. Boring. Yeah. Boring. This guy's filmography is insane. Yeah. If you just like, if you just like, only ever saw Overboard, yeah, you'd, you you'd wouldn't be... know that he directed The Princess Diaries. That that's me. I'm this hypothetical person we're talking about. Anyways, that's all the movies we watched this week. Yeah, we. I feel like it, again, we say this week. It's been eleven days. But that's all the movies we watched recently. In the past week plus. Yeah. Uh, we've been still playing a lot of Zelda. I'm almost done with it though. I'll yeah. be done with it by the next podcast, and I'll stop <laughs> talking about Zelda it. Zelda updates. This is the last one, so if you subscribe for Zelda updates, go ahead and unsubscribe now. <laughs> no, don't unsubscribe. <laughs> Catherine will still be playing it for fucking ages. Yeah. So don't worry. We'll yeah. Plenty more to come. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you want to listen to the next one, click on the next one. If you want to yeah. listen to the last one, check out last week's. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be here we'll be next here. week. See you then. T-Y-L. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.